0: Welcome, Brother Pastor Luma, to this pulpit here tonight.
1: Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I am so excited to be here. It's always a privilege. You know, sometimes we don't realize how much of our lives we share with each other. You've seen one another cry, you've seen one another happy. You've seen them in the worst moments of their lives. We've been to some people's funeral. We've been to their weddings. We are actually sharing life together. And uh, we gather tonight not because we couldn't pray at home, not because we couldn't sing at home, but somewhere, somehow, God desires his children to have fellowship with him and with each other. So would you look around at somebody and just smile at them? I'm just so glad being here. Thank you, Pastor Kyle, Pastor Sapp. I pray for this church every day, every day. I am so thankful. As a matter of fact, I'm probably more thankful for the church every day than I actually really pray. I just thank the Lord for every man of God and every woman of God that he's put alongside of me along the way to help me grow and to be what God has called me to be. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's turn our Bibles in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 15. I had all kinds of thoughts on what to share share with you tonight. But um, I shared a little bit of this on the prayer line Saturday. Were you, who was on the prayer line Saturday morning? Just a little bit of it. And we'll see if we can kind of work it a little bit more and see what the Lord would um, would speak to us. What a privilege to be here. Praise the Lord. First Samuel chapter 15. And then we'll get at it. When you find it, say amen. Don't lie in the church. If you haven't found it, don't say amen yet. We'll get on autopilot. Praise the Lord. I'm just going to skip around a little bit. Verse 3 says, now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all. That they have and spare them not, but slay men and woman, infant and suckling axe and sheep, camel and ass. And Saul gathered the people together and Saul came to the city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. Verse 7 says, and Saul smote the Amalekite from Hevelah until thou comest to Shur. That is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the axen, of the fatlings and of the lambs. And all that was good and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refused, that they utterly destroyed destroyed verse 13 said and Samuel came to Saul and Saul said unto him blessed be thou of the Lord I have performed the commandment of the Lord and Samuel said what meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowering of the action which I hear and Saul said they have brought them from the Amalekites and the people spared the best of the sheep and of the and to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord saith, have said unto me this night. And he said unto him, Say, On. And Samuel said, When thou was little in thine own sight, Was thou not made the head of the tribe of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? And the Lord hath sent thee on a journey, and said, Go and utterly destroy the sin of the Amalekite, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore, then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag the king of the Amal- of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekite. And the people took on the spoil sheep, and oxen, and the chief things that should have been. Destroyed, utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is, to, is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is, is iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And Saul said, Unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy word, because I have feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and, and the Lord have rejected thee from being king over Israel. As Samuel turned about to go away, he laid a hole upon the skirt of his mentor and it rent. And Samuel said unto him, the Lord have rent the kingdom of Israel from thee uh, this day and have given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent for he is not a man that he should repent. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now. I I pray thee before the elders of the people and before Israel, and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord thy God. So Samuel turned again after Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. Let's pray. Father, would you speak to us tonight? We thank you for your word. Father, let us get what you're trying to speak to us this night, Father. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. You may be seated. Glory. Praise the Lord. Just sit back and just, hopefully I'll just talk to you. You know, this portion of the scripture we just read, if you just go back in the book of Genesis, you could almost transpose the thing that Adam did and what Saul did. There was a sense of this, the defensiveness, there was a sense of, righteousness or defending his position of righteousness, although we just read the story, Saul had desperately disobeyed the voice of the Lord. But there was something at work here. There was the heart of a man at work. Somebody says heart. The word heart, the Bible refers to it many times as our spirit. Oftentimes it's referred to as the inner man. It is the vehicle that drives the fleshly nature that tends to battle with the will of God. It's in the longer I live for the Lord, the more I am learning and realizing about our heart It's very intricate. And of course, we're not talking about the organ that pumps blood. The Bible makes it plain that when it describes our hearts, let's look at what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 17 and 9. The Bible says the heart is deceitful. Somebody says deceitful. Above all and desperately wicked. And it says who can know it. That's very important. Who can know it. As early as the book of Genesis, God himself made an observation in Genesis 6 and 5 The Bible says that the wickedness of men was great and every imagination of his thought, of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. Solomon made his own contribution in this manner. He says in Ecclesiastes 9 and 3, yea, also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil. And madness is in their heart while they live. Ezekiel got a revelation when God spoke to him about the men of Israel. He said, the men of Israel have their idols hidden in their heart. And they're coming to me so that I would speak to them. He said, I will not speak to them because they have idols inside of their hearts. Jesus refers to the heart as the breeding place of all evil. He said, from the heart, Mark 7 and 21 says, from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murderers, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and they defile a man. The Apostle James, he added some things also. He said that the heart is the place of conception between sin and us. Whenever temptation comes our way, the conception between the temptation and sin that comes, to, it comes together right at the place of our heart. If you will, we sleep with the temptation and then sin resulted, but that sleeping happens in the heart. Apostle Paul, in his struggle to live the call of God, to be what God called him to be, he wrote a little bit of the wretchedness of the heart, of the struggle that he deals with to do the will of God. Because this heart is pulling him a different direction, and God is calling him upward to do the will of God. David, I think, puts the nail in the coffin When he says this, behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, I know I just said a bunch of words here. I want to describe some of these words here just so we don't just pass over them. Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all. The word deceitful means cunning. It means sly. It means insidious. It means fraudulent. It means crooked. It means polluted. Desperately wicked. It means to be very sick. Meaning the heart is very sick. As a matter of fact, one of the definitions is it's incurable. It's very sick and it's incurable. So you can't heal it. The word iniquity means perversity. It means mischief. It means evil. It means to be a pervert. Somebody says pervert. Now, when we as people that have been justified and cleansed and baptized and all that stuff, when we speak of word like perversion, when we speak of words like wickedness, when we speak of words as Sick. You know, you say somebody's sick in the head. You say somebody's a pervert. You say somebody's twisted. I mean, I know for myself what kind of people come to mind. I, I'm, I'm thinking of a child molester. You know, we say these, these folks are sick. They're perverts. We're thinking of a pedophile. We're thinking of somebody maybe that's a a psychopath. And we're thinking about a, a serial killer. When we're thinking about something being very wicked and evil, we don't think of ourselves. Because we've been washed in the blood. We've been delivered and we've been set free. But the Bible is saying that we are insidious. The Bible is saying we are fraudulent, our heart is, that our heart is very sick and no one can help it. And many a time, the greatest thing is we don't know it. Jeremiah said it's deceitful above all things. If you compare your heart to anything else, you're more sly than a serpent. We are more sly than anything else. The Bible says it's deceitful above everything else. We think of certain animals as being very cunning. But the Bible says our heart is more cunning than that. I mean, we can think of many situations. We say, well, so-and-so is a fraud. The Bible says your heart is fraudulent. Proverbs 14 and 8 says this. I want you to remember that. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his ways. But the fool, the folly of the fools, is his deceit. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his ways. Sometimes I think I'm a great distance from where my heart is. Sometimes I think there is a great gulf. Between the way I think of me and the way I truly am. Because when I hear these words, I don't think of Brother Luma. I don't think of the preacher man. I don't think of the guy who worships God and and who tries to fast and who tries to pray and who tries the best he could just to live for God. I don't think of myself as, as being dishonest. I don't think of myself as these descriptions but if I don't think that I have the potential in me I am lying to myself because the Bible says it that, uh, that our heart are very our hearts are very wicked and he says who can know it but the Bible says the wisdom of the prudent is to understand Their condition, the wisdom of the person that is wise uh, is to be able to look at yourself uh, and somehow know your heart. Uh, Praise God. You see, the story we just read, we could all find ourselves somewhere there. Now, we could read it and say, man, this man was a fool. Because God is very clear cut. Religion is very convoluted. Religion is very fuzzy. But God told Saul, just go and obliterate. That's very simple. He says, don't leave... Anything alive because Amalek was the first nation that attacked Israel when Israel came out of Egypt. And God had a beef against Amalek. And God says to Saul, I've called you to be king. Now in my government, you hear what I say and you do it. See, religion does not operate like that. Government operates like that. That's why Jesus never redeemed a, key, a religion because Adam never had a religion. You can't redeem something you didn't lose. Adam never lost religion. Adam lost government. He lost power in government. The whole fall of men was the idea that the enemy says, you don't have to listen to a governor above you. He said, you could be your own God, just get out from under his government, and you'll be your own God, you'll know good and evil. So God is trying to reestablish his government in the midst of his people, and he said to Saul, go, that's what the centurion understood. He said, when you say go, I go, I said, Tom, you come, because he understood what government is like, that's not religion. Religion is very different from government because it's very fuzzy. He said to Saul, go and do this. And Saul made his way, and, and if you were looking at all the great works that Saul did, many folks would have congratulated Saul. He would have been a hero in our days. Not only did he number the army, he told the Canaanites to, to, to leave the town because we're going to destroy. And he went to the city, and he did set siege, and he did destroy many things. Destroyed, many things, many things. So he made his way back with just a few things. And I mean, why be all, you know, upset about that? Why? He said, "I. I mean, I've destroyed. I destroyed them. You know, I, I've only carried back." Agag, and, and after all, I didn't do anything. The people did. When he said destroy, he said we destroyed. But when he said brought back, he said they brought back. He said, I, I mean, I, psh, look at me. I, I am totally innocent. The people, there's something wrong with them. But I am totally innocent. So when he saw a, a Samuel coming, He said, blessed be thou of the Lord. And he made a statement. He said, I have done the will of God. Our heart is deceitful above all because the call of God was to go and totally destroy. You see, there was some point in that journey Either when he got there and he looked at what he was looking at, that God was saying you need to destroy. Somewhere, somehow, he had to deceive himself. He had to pass over the word of God. He had to disobey God and go, but he needed an excuse to do that. And his deceitful heart spoke to him. He said, I have the right excuse. How about you say to yourself, when you get home, you're going to sacrifice these things unto the Lord? Isn't that really good? I mean, think about this. Everybody's going to still see you as a spiritual person, everybody's going to look at you as a high end, I mean, a religious. Come on, somebody. A religious giant. So he lied to himself. And the moment you begin to lie to yourself, you cancel out the opportunity to see clearly from that moment forward. Jesus Christ spoke to the people of his generation. He said, your heart has become gross. Because what they did was they lied to themselves. And after you lie to yourself, you cannot have a clear filter to see what's truth and what's not. Because you're supposed to be the one seeing it and you're already blinding your own self. So your heart has no truth to correspond to truth. So they go on on this tangent of lying to themselves. Uh, It was easy after he passed over the word of God uh, to bring some things back to say to Samuel, I have done it because he's already deceived himself. Because once you break that, it's over from that moment on. Samuel said, but no, I'm hearing the bleeding of the sheep and the luring of the axon. of course, his heart is coming back to defend him. No, I've done it. Samuel said, no, you have not done the will of God. God is rejecting you. Are you not listening to what I am telling you? He said, okay, 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 okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was scared of the people, and I did it. Because Samuel said, why? That's a question you need to ask yourself. I tell people all the time, ask why until you find out why. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I figured I'm just going to erase this. You know, I, I went to the tax person and and, and I thought to myself, you know, I, I, I paid so much tax already. You know, they take it from my paycheck and they take it when I buy a car. They take it when I go to the store. I mean, I paid plenty of taxes. I think I need to get away with this. Now ask yourself why. You said you have need of money. Doesn't the Bible say that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. You said, well, I got this bill to pay. I thought the Bible says don't worry about anything. I'm, I'm just talking to us because our heart can deceive us. Now, the last thing you need to end on when you ask yourself many wise, you need to come to the realization that I am very deceitful. That's why I'm cheating. I am deceitful. This is why I am cheating on my tax. I'm a thief. I'm a fraud. That's why I'm cheating. And, and you're gonna realize you're gonna need to say that to yourself. Now, you may say, you know, you know, Saul wasn't a good guy even from the get-go, he was a fraud. Okay. How about how about the beloved David? Come on, son. A teenager in the wilderness rejected at home. I mean, he's sleeping outside when it's cold. He's sleeping outside when it's hot. And he's out there just having a time with God. I mean, David is so impressive. The Bible says that God is looking for a man. And God said, I have found David. He said, I got him. I've been looking for somebody there he is. He's singing in the wilderness for me, and he's making up instruments to play to me. There's no one watching him, he has no podium. He has no microphone. He's all by himself, just having a good old relationship with God, looking at the sky. I mean, David has a psalm for every situation in your life. You can read in the Bible, David lived it, and he has a psalm about it. Whether you're going through the valley, he has a psalm about that. Whether you have nowhere to look, he said, I will lift up my eyes unto the hill. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord. When it seems like you're gonna die he said yeah do i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil for thou art with me the rod and the come on somebody love it david my bless the lord of oh my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name bless the lord of oh my soul and forget not all his benefit david was so impressive Another writer, another psalmist in Psalm 132, he wrote about David. He said, oh, Lord God, remember David, how he said, I will not go home tonight. He said, I will not sleep because I became king, and my premier agenda is to bring the glory of God home to me. Another psalmist on the outside is saying this about David. Oh, but oh David just one good day. one day just like this, the Bible says David was supposed to go to war because it was the season when kings go to fight. Somewhere somehow he had to convince himself that is like, ah yeah that's, that's just tradition you know that's tradition so I don't I don't really need to go. What he did was he jumped over the fence. The moment he jumped over the fence, he activate self-deceit. Self-deceit was activated and whenever you deceive yourself, there's no judgment. You have no more discretion. So he went up the balcony and he saw a lady and guess what? It was easier to jump it this time. Jumped the second time and then brought her in. Yeah, he's king. He could do whatever he wants. Right. Got her pregnant. He jumped the thing again. Oh. Said, go go send for her husband. I'll make him sleep with that and with his wife and he'll have a baby and I'm gonna be just fine. I will not be a fraud. I will not be a thief because I don't steal anybody's wife. I will be perfect everybody will look at me i'll be very spiritual the husband came the husband was one of david's mighty men one of the 30 one of the 30 for some reason the bible says uriah the husband of bathsheba when they were listing the mighty soldiers my lord so he said bring her in so he he wouldn't sleep because he's a mighty soldier he said, he, he said, you know, how, how, how can my man be out there? How could we be in battle? And I'm a soldier. I mean, any king in the right mind would take a medal and say, buddy, you deserve this. But uh-uh. Because David got something in motion. And he's got to finish this thing. So he made him drunk. He said, okay, he's trying to be too good. Made him drunk and said, okay, bring him over there. Maybe he'll do something. But he didn't do it. So he said, you know what? Send him. Give this letter to Joab. And the letter says, whenever Uriah comes and we're fighting the Ammonites, there's going to be folks shooting arrows from the tower. Send him ahead and then back away. Back away. And then Joab said to David, oh, man, we're losing bad in battle. You see, when you jump a fence, you just keep jumping. He said to David, we're losing bad in battle. These guys, that keep shooting arrows at us, and, and they're just killing us. But he says, David might get mad when you say that we're losing. Joab said, if he gets mad, tell him, Uriah, is dead. Tell him Uriah's dead, and they came to David and said, "You know, we're losing." And he says, "You know," he said, "You know what? That's war. It's war. It's war. In in war, people die. Just tell them to be careful." He activated compromise. A little. Leaven. Because you see, all these times David is going to service. All these times, because David would not miss the house of God. He's going to service all the time. A person's well it, it's just, it's just a little, you know, it's just a little something. It's very insignificant. A little leaven. A little Leaven, are you hearing me? A little leaven, leavens the whole lump. You ever heard of the word integrity? Of course, we are Christians. The word integrity, it means wholeness. It means completeness. It means, in a sense, oneness. Oneness. So a person can be a drunk, but they have integrity as a drunk. As a matter of fact, when God says, I prefer you were hot or cold, what he's shooting at is integrity. He said, I prefer you had integrity. Either you are hot and you say, I'm all hot. Or you are cold and you said, I am all cold. And God said you would have been honest. Because you would not have claimed to be a Christian. You would not have claimed to be uh, to, 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 to be preferring the kingdom of God first. And his righteousness first. At least people would know you for what you say you are. The word sincerity. It means to be able to. Abide the scrutiny of light. So integrity means whatever I speak, I have to be that. You know, sometimes people come to me at the church, they say, well, so-and-so doesn't have their, you know, they, they still wear makeups and they got, you know, earbuds on and I'm like, Leave them alone. They're, they're quite integrated. You know why? Because if their ankle is in the water, they tell you, I'm just ankle deep. And I want them to be that way. Instead of them dressing way up there, and their heart is way over here. That's dishonesty. I'd rather they be honest. I'd rather, you know, if, if, if there were pants in the church, wear pants on the street because you're going to be honest. You know, I've seen people around the city here. I remember being at a tailor shop, and I went to uh, have some clothes tailored. And I saw a lady, and, I, you know, I said, hey, how you doing? Shake her hands. When I shook her hands, she had earrings and all kinds of stuff on. And I turned around, and I looked back. She had nothing on. I'm thinking, what are you doing? If you're a sinner, say, I'm a sinner. But if I'm claiming to live a certain way. Now, let me go somewhere else. I'm going to compare Saul with David and I'm going to show you something because I don't, I don't want to preach forever here. Saul said, I'm sorry, I sinned. David said, "Uh uh-uh, there's more to this. David said, "Uh uh-uh, there must be something in me. David said, there's no way I, David, can do this. Saul said, I've sinned, I transgress, I'm sorry. But God says, I reject you. But David because he, you know, messed up and he messed up his, you know, his, uh, his judgment, Nathan came to him and he couldn't even discern what, what Nathan was talking about. And the same David was able to discern when the lady came and gave him a whole story about Absalom. You know, she used cold words and he said, oh, Joe, I'll put you up to this. But then when it came to himself, he could not discern. And David said, uh-uh. This was not just a trespass, because a sin is a transgression. I just trespass. A sin, if you commit sin, the Bible says you need to ask God to forgive you. But there was something more than sin working in the life of Saul. I want you to hear me. David said, God, there must be something wrong with me from my birthing. He said, I am shapen in evil. I am shapen as a pervert. He said, and in sin did my mother conceive me. But he said, I'm finding out, God, that you want truth to be deep within me. You see, iniquity is your nature. A transgression is a trespass. It's two different things. Recently I was working and I gave somebody two milligrams of something instead of one milligram. And it was not significant. And I'm I told the charge nurse and I told the doc and I tried to get the doctor to 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 to, to, to just release the other one and he wouldn't. But I was disturbed all of a sudden because I feel like I'm trying to get away with this. I'm trying to just get around this thing you see that's iniquity iniquity is nature there is nature and there is error you see you can ask God for forgiveness for error you can ask God for forgiveness for a trespass but when I looked at myself I said this is deeper because I went to the charge nurse she said she said well you know, well, we didn't we didn't waste it, so we can't put wasting. But I was hoping that she would waste it, and then all of a sudden it just kind of dawned on me. I'm like, man, I said, This is not sin, because sin is missing the mark. But right now, I'm actually conjuring something. I'm conjuring something. That's iniquity. Iniquity is when I'm start conjuring how I'm going to get away, how I'm not going to pay that bill that I owe. Iniquity is conjuring, how can I get the right image with the wrong action? Iniquity is saying, how can this thing be easier? I need the right result, but the rules are too rigid. But I can speak with tongues still. I can still preach. As a matter of fact, everybody that know me are going to think well of me. But then iniquity is working in me. You see, iniquity is a nature. It can be dormant or it can be living. But you have to work iniquity. It's a nature that you have to conjure up stuff to manifest. Are you hearing me? You have to work iniquity. Just in the same manner, you have to work righteousness. Because Peter said, everywhere where people work righteousness, God is going to visit them. He said that of, of Cornelius. Cornelius was working righteousness. So just like I can work righteousness, I can work iniquity. But iniquity is worked in the heart. And the Bible says the heart is desperately wicked. Above all, who can know it? And then it added, he says, I the Lord search the heart. He says, I search the rain so I can give every person what they deserve. Because God could care less that I preach the gospel. God could care less that I dance in public. God could care less what I do, what people think of me. God is saying, I'm looking deep inside of you and you are living like a sinner. I'm looking deep inside of you and you are conjuring all kinds of iniquity. He says, man looks on the outward, but God looks uh, on the inside. Uh, Sincerity is God putting the light on it. uh, And and what he's seeing uh, is the motive behind what you are doing uh, from moment to moment, uh, from hour to hour. This is why religion finds us uh, a very easy, cozy place uh, where we don't have to be so rigid over here uh, or so wicked over there. Uh, We are somewhat, somewhere, something, something. Kind of like, you know, it's not totally here or there, but kind of like somewhere. The Bible says, let your yea be yea. And your nay be nay, and he said everything else on top of that means you borrowing from the devil. He said whatever else you add, when a person said what's gonna, well, kind of like, but you already know in your heart what you're gonna do. You already purposed it in your heart what you're gonna do, but you're giving something that is not from your heart. I'm speaking something. That is not in line. You see, the, the prodigal son, the Bible says he came to himself. So, somewhere, somehow, there was a big discrepancy with the prodigal son, how he was living and where his real self was. Because his real self was he thought the world owed him everything. His real self was he's still selfish. He feels like everybody should serve me. I'm entitled to everything. You know, I'm, I'm the man. I just fell from the sun. I'm hot. Everybody's supposed to honor me. But the Bible says when he came to himself, that's the place of sobering, he finally realized you are selfish, Brad. That's who you are. You are a selfish bride. Jacob came to himself. The first encounter he had with God, he said, God, take care of me. Most of us stay right there. God is telling him what God is going to do in his life in the future. The only thing he said to God, take care of me. Yeah, right now. Make sure you give me food. Make sure I'm I'm going on this journey. Make sure I'm taken care of. That's the only thing I'm concerned about. God said, you're going to be a great nation. Take care of me right now. Enough for seeking God first and his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added. He said, give me these things. Give me these things now. But Jacob made his way back. And in the second encounter, Jacob kind of came to himself. He came to himself. He said, you know what? I got the stuff. I got the cattle. Got the kids. I got the wife. But he says, there's something wrong with me. He said, something is wrong with me. And he said to God, bless me. Now, the blessing was no longer cattle because he had more cattle than he knew what to deal with. He had more cattle than he knew what to do with. As a matter of fact, he was sending them to Esau. Esau said, I don't want it. He said, no, but take it, take it, take it. There is something wrong with me. So God met him in Pinwell. And the Bible says, Jacob wrestled. Jacob said, there is something wrong with my nature. And you got to change me. You got all kinds of promises for me to embrace, but God, they don't mean anything to me. Come on, now, let's talk to one another. Heaven, uh, the kingdom of God. Uh. Now, that's okay for you to feel like that. Be honest. When you go to prayer, don't say, hallelujah, God, you are so awesome. God, you are so holy. You are so great. Tell God, God, you got all kinds of precious promises that by these I become partaker of the divine nature, but I don't really care about it. I would like to care, but I don't know why. I don't care about it. God, I I, I know you said pray without ceasing, but I'm just I'm just doing my duty here. And I don't I don't have any liking for it. Are you hearing me? Because what you're doing is you're coming to your real self. You're coming to your real self. And then instead of God says the people lied to me. He said they flatter me with their lips. They lied to me with their tongue. Jesus said they draw near to me with their lips. But he says their heart far from me. He said they doing that, that means they were church folks. That's why Jesus was very comfortable with sinners, because they had integrity. <laughs> they were a sinner, like the lady, you know, she came, and everybody knew she was a lady with a bad life. She was okay with that. She came to herself, and she said, you know what, I'm not going to cover this thing up. I'm not going to cover this thing up. I'm just going to go right at his feet, and I'm going to weep." You and I have a life that we speak, and there's a life that we live. There is a person we portray, and there's a person we are. I tell people, people you realize that are very successful, at least in your eyes, in their Christian walk, are people that have learned that scripture in Proverbs. The wisdom of the prudent is to know his ways. When I first became a pastor, I, you know, they gave me, you know, I had the church credit card. And I said before, I said, God, I want to live in integrity. I said, God, I have the power to swipe this thing. And there's no one telling me not to. But I said, God, Want to honor you? Sometimes you think you know yourself. That's what happened to David. David thought, I'm, "I mean, I'm so spiritual." And when David fell, David wrote Psalm one thirty nine. He said, "Search me, O oh God." He said, "Know me, know my thoughts." He said, "You know." You see me from a distance. He says, "You, when I go to heaven, you see me. I go down there. You see me and your eyes are everywhere. You know, I thought I could get away with stuff. I can't get away with anything. Would you, where that comes from, would you kind of shed your light on that and see if there is any more of the same there? And, it says, and he says, give me a clean heart. He says, put the right spirit within me because God says that our heart is sick. It's incurable. God is not going to do a, a remodeling on your heart. God is not going to do uh, renovation on your heart. God is not going to do plastic surgery on your heart. God says if it's your nature that's working against you, he said cut the arm off. He said if it's the eye, you need to pluck it out because God is not refurbishing the heart. He said a new heart I'm going to give you and a new spirit I'm going to give you. You see that new heart is supposed to overcome the old one. It's supposed to be stronger and it's supposed to trump that old nature, that new nature got to trump the old nature. Every suggestion got to be trumped. Every suggestion the enemy make, you got to trump it. Every suggestion the enemy speak about, you got to trump it because I got that new nature. The Bible says to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The Bible says to offer yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Acceptable unto God. Which is your. I don't know if you're getting this. That's your. Reasonable service. I know sometimes. Among one another. We. You know we lift one another up. And then. Some maybe lift somebody else up just to take away the responsibility to do what God calls them to do. Say, well, so-and-so is so special. So-and-so is so gifted. The Bible says if you've done everything that God calls you to do, you're only doing what's reasonable. People looked at Saul and said, bud, you are a hero. Look at this. You were a hero. He was getting ready to have a party. And then Samuel said, God rejects you. He says, because you rejected God's word. He said, to disobey God is like lighting kindles and invoke evil spirit. I'm going to say this again. To disobey God is like lighting a kindle and invoking evil spirits. He said, it's like witchcraft. God is very clear, right? This way or that way. Paul said God is going to judge the secrets of men's heart. He says, then people will have glory. He said, you will know really who deserves the glory. Because we can give it each other props and so on and so forth, but he says, God is going to judge the wise, the secrets of men's heart. He says, and then you will know who deserves this, and who doesn't. let stand. I want you to be aware. I want you to be aware of your nature. I promise you, this week, you're going to see your nature trying to work to benefit. I'm going to say it again. Your nature is going to try to work To benefit you. But what it's going to try to do is to work lawlessness. Jesus said, depart from me, you workers. Because you have to work iniquity. He says, you workers of iniquity. You conjure stuff up. He says, I don't know you. They said, but we went to church and we did all kinds of stuff. Jesus said, but you let your own nature live he said I called you for metamorphosis you're not supposed to become a caterpillar after you become a butterfly he said that's that's how radical the change must be that's why he said present your bodies you're going into a moment of of fasting, right? A moment of fasting is coming up or you are fasting today. Guess what's going to happen? Religion is going to kick in. And religion is going to say, oh, yeah, okay, I can't watch this TV. You know, that's, that's the news. And then the, the news is going to morph into social media. And then you may not eat, but you have just deceived yourself. You have just deceived yourself. The people said, God, we're fasting. God says, you're not fasting for me. Say, you're doing your own thing. Because I'm looking at the heart and it's not there. But what do we do? What do we do? You see, there's nothing wrong with you coming to yourself. It's a good thing. It's a great thing to come to yourself. Because we get sick. Just, just acting like you know, you ever been praying and you were doing okay the moment somebody comes and you all awkward now? And you flustering because you don't know what to say because they listening to you. Just people just bring pressure. It's like, man, I was doing okay now that you show up. Now I don't know. I'm trying to word my word right, and I'm trying to say the right thing, and, and all of a sudden you're just all flustered. But when you go to God, don't be Adam. Don't cover this thing up. When you go to God, I tell God, God, this old man is bad. I got, a, I got a problem. I don't know why I can't get this. Because you see, whenever you begin to do that, you begin to activate Calvary. Because God didn't die because you were good. Jesus never came here, because you were all covered up and you got your fig leaves on, and you're doing great. And and, and, and when he came to Adam, Adam, where are you? Oh, you know, we we okay. You know, we we you know did a little something. But whenever you recognize your nature, all of a sudden you lift up the cross uh, because you're telling God uh, you did it right uh, because I had no help. Uh, no one can help me. No therapy can help me. No psychologist can help me. God, I'm sick in the head. Uh, God, I'm in desperate. God, uh, my situation uh, is ridiculous. Uh, no one can help me. Whenever you do that, uh, Christ is lifted up. Uh, and all of a sudden, you look into him for righteousness. Uh, you look into him for help. All of a sudden Calvary begins to have a meaning in your life. All of a sudden you begin to activate the cross of Christ and that's what David learned to do. When Saul is trying to look good, David activate mercy. I'm all done. Whenever you acknowledge who you are, whenever you stop lying to yourself. Whenever you stop covering yourself, you're going to have to look for another cover. And then you look up. Oh, you're going to see him on the cross. (laughs) God, it was for my sin. It was for my wickedness. I was wicked. I got this nature because you could not just just change my nature. You gave me a new nature. I want to live this way. I want to live in this new nature. You activate the power of God whenever you do that. You activate the power of forgiveness whenever you do that. But if I come to God and I'm looking good in my own self, Calvary profits me nothing. Calvary profits me nothing. That's why pastor said We need to know that we need God. Until you recognize, you come to yourself and you recognize your nature. You will never need God. Prayer will never be that important. Fasting will never be that important. Because I'm okay. I'm just in him for him to provide for my need. But if we get a hold like Jacob and said, my nature is bad, that's what the problem is, God. My nature is bad. And you said, when my nature is bad, I have to be radical. You said, I need to cut my hand off because that's what keeps causing the trouble. It's my nature. It says, pluck it out. He says, to crucify, to mortify, he's talking about your old. You know the man had a beautiful pet. Loved the pet. Hang around the house. Knew everybody. You know, the pet is in nature. The pet can be aggressive. You know, just but just just a little. You know, not too aggressive, not too aggressive. You know, uh, one time the pet did something and, and 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 the people called the authorities, but he fought back and got his pet back. But the pet has a nature that you can't change. And in one of these days, his carcass was found in the cage. If you don't kill your nature, his pet was a tiger, a bingo tiger. If you don't kill your nature, if you don't recognize your nature and kill it, it's going to kill you. It's going to kill you. I hope tonight you go home with something. There's a great difference between sin and iniquity. If you sin, you have an advocate. If there is iniquity working, you need to take your sword and start crucifying something. And all it's lost, the Bible says. Oh, may God bless you tonight. Jesus. That
0: was a masterpiece. I wish everybody on the planet was listening to that message. What do you say we lift our hands and receive that word? God, I open up my heart to you right now. I open up my mind to you. Lord, Brother Luma preached who we are. He taught who we are. Help us to recognize ourselves and to be honest with ourselves. And to come before the throne room of grace boldly, with integrity, honesty, that we might cut off the iniquity, and be forgiven of the sin, and walk in righteousness—the righteousness that you give us. Let us declothe ourselves of our deceitfulness. And let you robe us in the garments of holiness and righteousness and godliness. Help us, Father. We need you. We receive that word tonight. We receive that word tonight. Get it deep in our hearts, deep in our spirits, deep in our souls. We receive that word tonight. Amen. Amen. When Brother Loomis started speaking the very beginning of his message, the Lord asked me a question. I wrote it down. had no idea that that was exactly what you were preaching. God was wanted me to hear the answer. When he began to preach. The Lord asked me a question. He said, both Saul and David said, I have sinned. Why was one forgiven and the other wasn't? That's what he preached tonight. Both sinned, but one was forgiven and the other wasn't. To simplify it, two men in the temple, one beat his chest and said, Oh God, I'm a sinner. The other stood in righteous self righteousness and said, I pray every day. I fast often. I give alms. The Lord said, One left justified, one left Forgiven, the other not. That's where we're at, folks. What a message from God. What a message from God. Brother, this is the foundation of what the Lord is doing in this church this year. This is the foundation of what he is leading us and preaching and doing to us incredible. I want to make two announcements and we'll be dismissed. One is that our classes, our foundational classes are resuming this coming Sunday. The other is that our business meeting is January the 18th, which is a Thursday. It will be at 7 p.m. at our Spanish church location, 364 Swain Boulevard. And uh, we'll be discussing 2017. God bless you. I love you. I want you to leave with this solemn. I'm not even going to let you come pray it off. A lot of times that's what we do. We come to the altar and we just kind of pray it off, you know. No, I'm going to let you go home feeling bad. What a message. I love you. Greet one another. Love one another. Be kind to one another. Uplift one another and say hey to Frank. God bless you. We're gonna be tearing down.